Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And today we'll be talking about Tetsuo, the Iron Man, and Ricky O. The story I'm of Ricky Mitch. O. The story of Ricky O, actually. <laughs> the story of Ricky O. I'm Mitch. And I'm Murr. And I'm Jonathan. Oh, quick announcement, folks. Yes. I almost Big announcement. Forgot. I almost forgot. Big announcement. Um, bringing down the grindhouse will soon be in the field of uh, printing shirts for y'all. Yep. Whoever wants to get them. We're going to be offering shirts for a limited amount of time on our website, which now is an official .com. So you can go and find it at bdtghpodcast.com. And it's available on all of our social media. So it's on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, as well as like any link tree or if you have one of the business cards as well. But you can go there. It's going to be on a pre-order status. So as soon as the sale is over, we'll ship them. And so that'll be coming up really soon. We'll make more posts about it with all the information. Look good in our swag. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Look elegant. Wonderful. Or as wonderful as you can be in a t-shirt. I mean, it'll have our logo on it. It's, yeah, the it's, logo. Yeah. The logo is pretty cool. <laughs> it's I mean, a pretty, it's a pretty. I'm all right with it. <laughs> I guess it's kind of like my like the coolest thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So Tetsuo the Iron Man. Oh, Mur over here right. bringing us back to He's the like, topic. <laughs> well, we got to start with all the production stuff for these because they actually have a lot of stuff that has to do with their production, especially Tetsuo, considering it was such a small independent project. Really though, this movie. It definitely seems like a college art film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was like his like third film, I think, after doing the first two. And the first two, like, gained cult status almost immediately. It's also probably one of the most punk rock horror movies it's there is. Cyberpunk. DIY as fuck. And I told John this, but the most fucking sweaty movie I've ever seen in my life. This might take it up as the sweatiest movie we've seen so far. There's a lot of sweat in it. There's also a lot of other bodily fluids in this one. There was a lot going on. There's a lot. It's a lot going on. on. We'll get into all of it, but I mean, there was a lot going on. And it's funny because that's literally one of the questions that I wrote down. I was like, sweatiest movie of all time? Possibly. Possibly. Well, I'm I'm assuming it's Japan during the summer and it's really fucking hot and humid. Yeah. Either that or everyone's just freaking the fuck out the whole time. Constantly sweating. Constant sweat. (laughs) I just picture a giant water bottle. Just like, get the water boy in here. What was that movie? The the Fast and Furious movie with The Rock. I feel like they just went up to him and sprayed him with some <laughs> water. Because he's like dripping in one of the scenes and no one else is. It's just him with his weird goatee beard thing that he had. I don't know. It was, it was a weird movie. But that one was up there where I was like, this might be the sweatiest movie of all time. And I think this is hilarious that we're taking this through a few episodes. We're yeah, like, you know like, what? You know yeah, what? This, this one might, might be. be the sweatiest movie. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep ranking movies on that scale, which is hilarious. You too. don't know this, but this is a Cheers reference. Yeah, it, we, it, talk, it, we yeah, said I it before. We, we talked about it. Okay, yeah. maybe we did talk about it. We That's mentioned fine. it, but I, you know what? I don't think a lot of people know what Cheers is. That's I will really say that, sad, which is actually. weird. That's sad. But we are, well, we're not that old. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, my parents like Cheers. Yeah, exactly. I didn't weird. know what fucking Cheers was until you told me. And then so. I showed you an episode and you actually laughed Wait. at a sitcom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel fucking horrible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some people don't know what sitcom stands for. So there's all sorts Damn. of weird information. Yeah. What does sitcom stand Situ- for? <laughs> situational comedy. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> which, makes sense. Which usually means that like each episode is like a standalone. 
Like you could, yeah, you, yeah. you don't have to watch it in order. Yeah, there's exactly. usually like random stuff that's overarching. One of the best ones is like like Law and Order shit. Those right. are those are well, it's not a situational comedy, but it's like they're standalone episodes. They're like procedurals. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, back to Tetsuo <laughs> the Iron Man. Uh, so for Tetsuo the Iron Man, it's it was directed, produced, written, and he also stars in the film, and it's a by Shinya. Sukamoto is that how you say his last name correct okay I thought so and so he he plays the guy who is labeled as the metal fetishist fetishist yeah the guy who's obsessed with metal uh even so much as to insert it into his body to really reach like a new like right body high I guess you could explain right I don't know well I mean he he was very sexual kind of there's a lot there's so many uh the, well, well, part of it, I would say, is sexual. There was another part that's just appealing to violence. And there was so much underlying in Tetsuo that seemed to me was expressionistic. So, like, taking straight from German expressionism because of the black and white and because it was in, uh, like, the way that it was lit. All of the lighting and everything gave to that impression. Shades, so it makes sense. Like, yeah. shades over half of faces obscuring parts of the scene with blackness. Right. To, like, highlight more of what's going on in the film. Right. Uh, the music is really important in Tetsuo, or at least that's how I felt about it. Absolutely. It, it was used so heavily to give you a mood, to tell you how you were feeling in a moment, to build up anticipation for a lot of scenes. And uh, it was credited to Chu Ishikawa. Yeah, Chu Ishikawa. Uh, known for making the soundtracks for uh, Sukumoto and Takashi Mike. Takashi Mike is the guy we mentioned before who's made like over 100 films, including The Immortal, which came out like a year or two ago. Interesting. Yeah, so he's just been making the soundtracks for a lot of these indie films and has gained his status in, in those films. The uh, soundtrack itself is made with uh, like a lot of impacts that are organically formed by hydraulics and uh hammers and all kinds of dings like it sounds exactly like you would at any industrial yeah blue, blue collar job it i mean it just this just it just the whole movie is an industrial song yeah exactly i, would say. <laughs> I really want to go and find the soundtrack for it just uh, and just i, I know for a fact that they have a vinyl on it uh but it carries songs from the second movie bullet man as well or okay. maybe that's the third one i mean I i'm know. cool with that <laughs> um but the whole entire like the actual soundtrack that's for the whole movie that's on youtube for sure oh fuck yeah um i'm always about the vinyl though i'm glad you mention it every time <laughs> yeah big fan of vinyl uh you should always right. support go support media. your local shops <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um but the thing is like with these uh organic impacts and stuff you just this could be credited as one of the first Japanese industrial albums because it did come out in 89. It's right. <laughs> no, honestly, yeah, it was right around like when industrial kind of like dark wave shit was coming out. Barely. Yeah. Like so, I mean, just starting to come out. I mean, how fitting that would come from like a really like underground place. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm sure not many people knew about this movie. No. Really no when they it came didn't. out, similar to how the like old school industrial scene was very like bare bones as well with how they made music and whatnot. Uh,. Fun fact, uh, you guys know the project Gunshot Wound that I run. Yes. That had this movie, like the soundtrack itself was just like a big like, hey, you should make music like this. And the fact that like I do work in a blue collar yep. factory kind of setting. Mer, what do I, you do? I do in weld. In case people don't know. I uh, I weld structural steel uh, in San Diego. You're a welder? And, yeah. 
fucking badass. It is fun. I, I, I get burned a lot. I don't know very many people who do welding, so that's why I was like, yo, that's legit. It is a lot of Also, plug fun. yourself. Where do we find your shit? Uh, if you'd like to check out the industrial <laughs> music that I make with my friend Aiden from Los Angeles, uh, you can find us on Gunshot Wound. Uh, we have everything on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Bandcamp. You could get everything for free. Hell yeah. And if you DM us on Instagram at Gunshot Wound Noise, I could send you free cassette tapes. So Yo. that's always a thing. But <laughs> it was a big inspiration for me to make the music that I make because it uses organic, actual sounds from industrial right. projects like impacts, hydraulics, grinding, welding, all kinds of samples used for all that. It's very prevalent and it makes the movie overall uh, impact. It just hits harder and you feel more tension in, in scenes as well as more like dramatic moments. I don't know how to explain it. I felt like it was making me pay attention at certain points. Uh, it made you sit up, get closer, uh, realize that this was an important moment. It used it for a lot of the anticipation for what was going to happen. And they use it a lot for the stop motion pieces where they're able to kind of give you this idea that something was getting accelerated and they were able to do that both visually and with the music. I think like with the intro of the movie where they actually have the title card Tetsuo come out in like the old Atari font. So great. And then like you just hear the dun dun. I mean, the end of the movie even says game over. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's like an old school screen. It goes and it just says game over and that's the end of the film and it's fucking great. But I mean, this is cool. I liked I liked the project a lot because he made the film with money that he saved from his day job. Like he legit was just working constantly, and any money he had, he put it all into this movie. It's kind of like the same thing with uh, Kevin Smith and Clerks. Like yeah, exactly. People like putting their whole like t- like their whole life on the line just to make a film that they're like really passionate about. Quick information for the film: it was released July first, nineteen eighty nine. And it has a runtime of 67 minutes, and it's in Japanese. So some of it does have translations, some of it doesn't. At the time that they released it, especially at the film festival that it was at, they didn't have enough money to put subtitles in. So it actually premiered to an audience who didn't know what they were saying. So that's kind of important because it was kind of unknown up until that point. And it was for a specific film festival in Rome. Uh, let me double check. The- that's very specific. Yeah, it was it was something. It was the Fanta Festival in Rome in 1989, and it received the award for the best film when it got released there. And so this kind of gave it some momentum to go and get released on DVD, and or on VHS, and then later on to DVD when uh, Laserdisc and all these other things were a thing. And then all of those are out of print now, so, but you can still go find them if you really want to go look for it in an old shop. But this movie is credited with a revival of uh, indie films for uh, indie Japanese films. It's credited really heavily with kind of reviving the indie scene for them and then getting them onto the map with film festivals. Most film festivals were ignoring Japanese film up up until this point. And they kind of, or at least he kind of set the path to see these films get recognized. And then he got a lot of popularity off of that. It is a big staple for cyberpunk as well. Yep. Um, Just like, the aesthetic that it goes for, uh, like mixing flesh with uh, technology and or metal. It plays a big role in like AI-centered stories and music and just all around cyberpunk culture. Um, just like when flesh meets uh, metal, it's just like it's a big trope within that. And it it's very prevalent in this movie, obviously. They so. use uh, discarded TV parts to put everything on them. That's where they got most of their material from. 
and just taped it onto him and and (laughs) shot the scene there's so many fucking things that i'm just like looking at i'm like that's a rod of fucking cast iron steel that's like those are tens of thousands of wires i feel like you have to watch it multiple times to understand how much stuff is in these scenes the drill penis dude (laughs) oh my god right so there (laughs) we'll get to the drill penis how did i forget it because ricky o was also so ridiculous i think i forgot this they were both absolutely ridiculous with certain ideas and that one was like the largest phallic reference we have on film probably that we've ever discussed <laughs> yeah it's it's there body it is. horror is prevalent yeah this yes. these both of these films were made for that appeal it's straight body horror i just want you to imagine your penis turning into a drill <laughs> and then murdering your girlfriend yes and then murder your girlfriend with well it. you know what she kind of i couldn't tell if she imagine. killed herself or if he forced her she, right it kind of right. looks like she killed herself Kind of looked like she was like, I'm ready to just do jumped this. on top of it. And, and this is done. I don't know. What's the word for that? She, uh, immol- no, not immolate it. Uh, uh, oh God, what's the word for like getting your seppuku? guts out? No, no, seppuku. no, that's with a knife. I thought, oh, shit, you're right. Yeah, that's like knife to the stomach. No, it's like what happens when you get all of your guts ripped out? It's a certain word, it is a word, gutted. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, gutted is a word for it. She gets gutted. Oh, okay. well, well, that's the that's the ritualistic suicide. Same thing. They're called the same thing. Oh, okay. It doesn't oh, have sep- to be sep- with a certain weapon. Suicide. Yeah, if, if you cut your guts, if you cut your own guts, yeah. Be- you know what? It happens in both films. It does. Now I think about it. the The first dude he fights rips open his own guts and then tries to choke <laughs> him with his intestines. <laughs> yeah. It's I don't even know. That, that was, was pretty just, amazing. That though. was wild. I was like, what is going on? just uh, that threw me off so much but yes we'll talk about the mechanical penis uh, or drill penis i don't know what to call it and what that fucking means but but really just a few more things uh the filming took for tetsuo took over 18 months for them to do it and most of the crew left while they were filming because it was such a hard thing to do and at some point the person who stars in it was helping them with lighting and whatnot Freaking the director himself was thinking about burning the negatives because he had such a bad time making the film. Oh my God. <laughs> That's just like some super like I'm an artist. I hate my yeah, work, I know. but I love my work. But I mean, so he shot on 16 millimeter film. He in started black and white. Yeah, in black and white. He started with the Super 8 camera, which is pretty much what every filmmaker had during that time period. Uh, he got gifted the Super 8 camera by his dad. So he was able to start really young, like at 14. They have like record of all of his stuff. You can go and see his like 10 minute short film where he made those and he just kept going until he made the 16 millimeter film, which was this one. And then after that, he transitioned to like whatever medium, but most of his stuff is done on actual film and it's cut and edited that way as well. So interesting stuff for something like that, especially with how much work would go into the stop motion part of it. I can't imagine how many frames that was for them to get that effect they were using for the special. Effects. Oh, for the uh, stop motion, like, uh, like chasing, like flying <laughs> yeah, the flying. City. Yeah, that was fucking nuts. Dude, that was like Dragon Ball Z shit right there. It really was, though, actually. Just, like, skidding across the floor. Just, like, punch. Then, like, a million fucking stop-motion clicks later, yep. hitting a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> and then for for Ricky O, it was directed and written by, I don't know if I'm saying it right, Lam Nai Choi, who co-wrote it with Tetsuya Sarowatari. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and it was based off of a manga of the same name. 
And if you look at the manga, super fucking similar it's shit. Like frame to frame. Frame to Most frame. Of the they, time. they get everything fucking right. Which is like very rare for manga yeah. adaptations. I don't think they had too much oversight. They were just like, we're going to fucking make this however we want. That's like when we saw uh, Grindhouse and we saw like the pre-fucking Hobo with a Shotgun. And then right. you watch Hobo with a Shotgun and you're like, yo, that's scene for scene what was in the trailer. Right. Yeah. This is exactly what I was looking at, which is fucking awesome. Um, the the film Rikio stars uh, Fan C. Wong, who's best known for his roles in Ip Man and Ip Man 2. So if you ever watch Ip Man on Netflix, you should, you should definitely go check him out. It's basically Ip Man is about Bruce Lee's master who was a real person and was experiencing the change in China when uh, like colonization and all the industrial age was hitting. So they went from being completely separate to being industrialized and what happened to him after that and then how he met Bruce Lee at some point. So go check those out and you'll see he's one of like Ip Man's rivals who tries to fight him at first and then ends up being like one of his good friends after that. But you will immediately recognize him as the the main person in there except he's a little bit older he was really young for ricky o when this came out he's probably like in his 20s and he's ripped as fuck <laughs> i love we were fucking dying at the scene where he walks in and he like rips open his shirt and you just see like abs and then he's shirtless for the rest of the film yeah <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't ever put a shirt back on i think like the movie just really kicks off when uh they're like hey hey I'll give you 10 bags of rice to kill this guy. Right, yeah. And then, and then he's like, you're Ricky O, right? Yeah. And then he just, like, tries to fight him, immediately gutted by Ricky O, like, just pulling out his intestines. He and you're like, punches a hole, like, straight through him. You're like, okay, it's this kind of movie now. Right, yeah. This just escalated yeah, the, really the, quickly. The special effects there are hilarious. You, you, had a, you had a term for that movie. It was part Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Ricky O is part <laughs> Shawshank Redemption. Part like Tower of the Dragon, I think that's what, or the like, Dragon, it's the Bruce Lee movie. Enter the Dragon. Enter the, Enter dragon. the dragon. There you go. Not Tower. I don't know why. I think I'm confusing two Bruce Lee you, movies. Are you confusing Mortal Kombat? Where you, Maybe. Where you go into the tower Fuck. and you fight up until you get well, to the top? Anyway, this, Shawshank Redemption, yeah. fucking Enter the Dragon, and then uh, every like gore, and then like the Saw movies, I guess we'll go with that one. The gore was on a next level. It status. was. It was this, so good. Okay, so Tetsuo the Iron Man might be the sweatiest movie I've seen, and then Ricky O is probably the goriest movie I've ever seen. Maybe. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I've seen that's gorier. So Kill Bill, the first Kill Bill in the scene in the bar is pretty fucking crazy. Oh, when she kills the like the gang, the crazy eighty eight. Yep. That's true, but it's all well. It was black and white, and then it switches. Okay, wait. You got a whole person. I mean, Ricky O also isn't isn't black and white. You got a whole person being thrown into like a giant fan though, and just yep, like that's the thing. shredded into meat. Yep. Then again, there there well, was Kingsman where they did the same thing, but shit, they made that's right. There's a church fight. Oh wait, yeah, that guy gets t- tossed into the meat grinder. Made into a burger in that then movie. Then she eats it. Well, she oh. forces a dude to eat it, actually. Yeah. Now that I think about it. It was his partner. Yeah, that was fucked. It was fucked. <laughs> I like that we know all these, like, crazy cooks gore. everything. Yeah. Oh, she's, like, she cooks a pretty good burger. Like, that shit looked legit. But whatever. <laughs> Ricky O is more of just, like, a movie you just see with your friends and just laugh at. Because the yeah. dub is horrible. Oh, the dub's amazing. But it's amazing at the same time. I don't I, like I did not they... watch the dub. Oh, really? Oh, I did shit. not watch the dub, so I think I missed out on a whole experience It was here. just so fucking funny because people were like, it sounds like people were just drunk in a studio 
and they they covered it all in one day. Hey, there's Ricky. Let's get him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so wild, all the things they're yelling. Like, when the guy cuts open his stomach, he's like, you really got guts. <laughs> <laughs> there's some great uh, fucking lines in this movie. There's, a, there's so many. There's a lot of good ones. A lot of good kills, too. The, the last bit of stuff I wanted to tell you guys was it was released October 5th, 1991. So both films released same year, just a couple months apart. And then uh, it has a runtime of 91 minutes, and it was in Cantonese, Chinese. And it made 2147000 Hong Kong dollars, which really just translates to about 306000 during that time in 1991. So in today's dollars, it ended up being like 508000 with inflation and whatnot. So made a pretty good amount of money. Not bad for what it is, uh, seeing as the audience got restricted. Yeah, it was like heavily restricted. Nobody under eighteen was allowed to watch it because of how violent. And I, uh, it like noted in a lot of different articles that this is what caused it to not make a lot of money. It didn't, it didn't have like that PG thirteen rating where like teens and kids could go watch it. I mean, that's why some studios are worried about making R rated films in the first All place. The time. It turns them away from it because of situations just like this one. I think PG thirteen is probably the worst rating in all honesty because like you're not getting the raw dog of fucking. R- are and you're not getting like oh super nice just very wholesome g rating well it was like it was only rated that rating because of the violence it wasn't like sexual there wasn't any other sort of thing that would give it that rating so it was purely because of the violence and in some cases movies would be rated something because they had like explicit sex scenes that were pretty much just porn <laughs> and uh, close to being these odd snuff films so it was just like they didn't really know how to rate this one besides just like it's too violent like kids can't watch it and it got it got snubbed sort of like there wasn't enough people who were able to watch it because of that but then as soon as it came out on vhs and dvd and whatnot people watched it a lot just like with any of the i feel like it happens with a lot of the films we've talked about ricky o's and tetsu are like those kind of movies it's hard to find a physical copy of yeah. But unless you're like absolutely looking for it, they're kind of like out of print and just like mm. rare, obscure movies for their countries. But very easy to find online because exactly. there's a lot of digital versions of it that exist. It is fun. I'm sure there's several different cuts of it too, or at least one to two different ones because of things they've wanted to add in or just couldn't. Um, except for maybe with Tetsuo, he, he kind of just maxed out what he could do with the film. But it's, I, I feel like. It was really well done for what he was doing with like how much uh, money he had, the type of film he used. What were your initial thoughts on the film post seeing it? Because you've seen it a couple times, right? Well, so I remember watching Tetsuo the Iron Man like, fuck, probably like 10 years ago when someone first suggested it to me and I hated it. But this was pre going to school for film and getting all of the tools to analyze something. And I was like, eh, like it seemed excessive at the time. But then I watched it again last night, and I loved it. And I was like, this is like the kind of weird shit that I would go and find or try to make. So it was really appealing because you could tell the sources that he pulled from. So he was definitely a fan of like Kurosawa, who was, who was making like black and white films and was like the Japanese director to know for that for like prior to that from like the early 40s to like 70s so he was definitely one of those things that or one of the directors that you could tell he had influence from and then he changed into something that was his own i would i mean i never saw tetsuo the iron man 
ever until like literally last night. <laughs> oh my god! So it was definitely a trip. It reminded me the ending reminded me a lot of Akira. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Reminded me a lot of that. Absolutely. Yeah. If anything, I'm sure that Akira is like inspired by partially Tetsuo, the Iron Man. Uh, I really appreciated how much sound played a role in here, which is Hell something yeah. that like the Lighthouse also did really well. Yeah, they so, used their sound. Yeah, exactly. To and so I think this movie does it really well. I was, you know, classifying it as horror. You have a lot of elements. You have the body horror aspect, the possession aspect, and but one thing that this one did really well is a lot of the jump scares in it were from like a squirting noise or like something <laughs> subtle, and it was always like the sound that was really really did it. Well, I felt like a lot of the sounds you couldn't identify in some points. You just knew it was disturbing. Yeah, the 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 sound that I'm referring to that actually made me jump, and I might just be a little little baby when it comes (laughs) to horror movies, to be honest. But it was this one where he's in the mirror and he's like poking at his skin, and then it squirts. That actually like made me. I was like, "Fuck, okay, whoa." Well, you don't expect it to happen because it's just a piece of metal sticking out of his face, and then he pokes it, and blood squirts out onto the mirror. Yeah, and it's, yeah, and it, but it, it made me jump a little bit though because that and that and because the movie kept this tension and that was like a release sort of deal with it and that was really cool. Also, you got that scene with the possessed woman that's like chasing him down the alleyways and stuff. That's right. creepy as fuck. It's creepy. Yeah, I mean the the music is making the fucking tension go off. The guy's like constantly scratching his face. Right. And, like, you could hear – it sounds just like some ASMR, just, like, some really, like, beard on yep. fucking, like, metal kind of shit. It's the sound you get, like, if you have uh, facial hair, body hair, and you shave it, and you just kind of run your fingers along it. You'll hear that, like, grating sound. And it's very <laughs> it's very prevalent throughout the movie while he's trying to go through this transformation and doesn't realize it. Because the movie, it starts with uh, the metal fetishist, like – Getting hit by the car and, and being you well, know. he cuts open his leg first. Yeah, and he inserts and s- the rod. Yeah, he's like obsessed. The, there's even like flashes of pro athletes at yeah. some point because I guess he's wanting to be those athletes be just as strong. And then he goes running out because he freaks out. He covers it up and then reopens it and notices that it's just rotting with maggots. Yeah, and then he runs out and then that's when the businessman and his girlfriend hit him. Fun fact, it is canon that the businessman was in fact getting a blowjob when he get, ran over the dude. Because when oh, in later yeah. scenes, the dude's zipping up his pants and yeah. the girl's like wiping her mouth and shit. Yeah, they added those in. So you if you're if you're paying close enough attention, there's a lot of smaller details. So they're and it's they're kinda like they're nymphomaniacs, dude. Because like they just always haven't said they try to like fucking just like hey we should help this guy, but then they're like nah he's fucking a goner. So they basically try to hide the body and then fuck next to him in yeah. the woods. And he's like the chick's like she, he's looking right at us and he's just like going harder. You he know? does not care. Worst anime betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> the thing the thing about the sound effects though they play a key role in this movie because right the music was, and the sound effect or I guess they're sound, kind of the sound same. design in general. Yeah, just all the sound just, design. Uh, it is noted that the sound design is like one of the key features of this movie. I looked it up on Wikipedia. It's just like it is known for its music, for its disturbing uh, images, as well as the fucking sound effects they made God organically. Mer- didn't you know it was the birth of Darkwave? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Such a fucking name. Wait, wait. Do you not like that name or that genre of music? I love Darkwave music, but I'm just like. If you ask me what the intro what to Darkwave was, I'd just be like, you know what? I like modern Darkwave. I like Boy Harsher and shit. Leave me the fuck alone. Well, 
<laughs> this is all like very close genres of music, but I would I would say it's industrial over it being dark wave. Bruh, it's uh, Nitzareb before Nitzareb was Nitzareb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's some parts where the fucking the the background noise is just shifting glass. Yeah, it's like if you can see that's how I know you have the job you have because you could identify a lot of the noises. I couldn't tell what the fuck half the noises were. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like when I was making the first gunshot wound EP, I had a handy recorder with me and I was recording organic impacts and hydraulics and like all kinds of stuff. And then going through that, I mean, I used it for about a month and like I was able to get a lot of good fucking noises for it. But there were some parts where I just, like, fucked myself up. Like, I was grinding, and then the grinder would shoot out and just, like, hit my stomach. Oh. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, did I get the sound, though? Yes. <laughs> Good. Wait, wait. So so in order to, to sample what you were using for your music, you went and did all of these activities yourself? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I did. I would have that's to, like. commitment. I would you have went to... and made the noise. You didn't just find it on the internet and use it. You were like, no, nah, I'm going to make my yeah, own Yeah, no, noises. I'd be like, hey, can you, like, grind this? And, like, the fuck, fuck yeah. are you doing? I'm just like, just fucking grind this for like. You're standing there with like a recorder, like just. I just need this. (laughs) I just. I need at least five seconds so I could loop this. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking awesome. What were your guys's uh, favorite deaths in Rikio? Oh man. You know what? Uh, not a death. Oh wait, sorry. Okay, so the first one with the body, like just like going in the stomach, pulling out guts, very fun. I will say, like one of my favorite. Uh, deaths is when the guy has like the weird gun thing and just like his homie is like i'm gonna get the fuck out of here and he just shoots him and explodes like immediately <laughs> yeah what the fuck was that gun well, well, when he shot them it made them like explode kind of like the blade movies you know where right. he has those vials yeah. it was kind of a gun that did that that's how i logic 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 tick tick logic it there we go logic yeah. it yeah it was, it was weird movie logic is what happened there i don't know i'm assuming it had like some chemical that makes your body inflate and explode we gotta talk about the fucking what are they called the uh the gang of four which they renamed apparently they were like the heavenly something in the in the manga which I, is sounds i like cooler. gang of four better because it reminds me of the post-punk band. <laughs> you post-punk. i mean the way they were dressed they might as well all be in a band Yo, the fucking, the, that dude who just, like, looks super fucking fresh, like, has, like, stripes on his fucking thing, a bowl cut, like, he's always has, like, some super nice hand movements, like, that guy's my favorite. Wait, are you talking about the person who had blonde hair? He, no, 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 he was, like, he was, like, one of the, one of the four. Right. But he was, like, the super clean cut, like, the the leader. Not the muscle. Not the guy with the fucking needle arms like Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy we we're talking about. Yeah, which I'm, which I'm fairly sure was played by a woman, but I couldn't tell. Yeah, very androgynous looking. Yeah, guy. very androgynous. It's a character. guy though. I okay. figured it out eventually. Yes, I was like, I'm not but, sure. But yeah, you I just... will say they are fabulous looking. Yeah, they no, are fabulous. Yeah, those fucking cool, some cool outfits during that. I mean, all of them had hilarious outfits that were also like, what? It's just, it seemed like you were playing a video game. And you just like ran into. This was the Larper group. Yeah, <laughs> that actually knows how to kick your ass. They had to. They were able to just like get their own outfits while everyone else was just wearing these regular black outfits. <laughs> um, I will say the ending with the warden getting fucking minced into the fucking fan. Great death scene, as well as the one where they they uh, Ricky O just literally just 
punches the fucking snitch's face clean off. And it's like his whole half of his head is just gone. It's eviscerated. It's so immediate. Dude, dude the shower scene with the big, with the, uh, what the hell do they call the big, the giant fat guy? I don't know. but I he, forget his name, but yeah, he yeah. like, he like takes a chunk out of his stomach when he punches him. And then there's the fight against the muscle of the four. And he like just punches through the bottom of his jaw. And yeah. It comes rips out, out his bottom jaw. And then he goes to punch him and just like punches through his arm that splits like yeah. three different ways. Oh yeah. Cause their punches meet. He deflects yeah. his punch and punches through it and sh- like splinters all the bone and everything. But yeah, what were like some other super good, like gory fights that you like really enjoyed from other movies? No, from this movie. Oh, from this movie. From Ricky, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's the intestine strangling bit. That's pretty amazing. He makes it seem like he's going to commit suicide. And then when he gets close, he's like, ha, I got you. And like rips out his own intestines <laughs> to choke him with it. <laughs> and you're just like, why are you still standing? Like, what is going on in this moment? There was so much ridiculousness. Like, Ricky actually ties together his own tendons at one point and re- like repairs his arm. And that's fucking ridiculous. Like, he's, like, invincible this whole movie. Yeah, he goes through that thing where he gets buried alive for seven days straight, too. Like, goes into some weird hibernation. (laughs) And then just jumps out of it as soon as they lift him out of the hole. (laughs) All of it was hilarious and ridiculous. But actually, that makes me think of how are both of these films uh, horror? How are they, like, body horror? Like, what kinds of horror are they exploring in all of these films? Or in both of these films? I mean, Riccio is heavy body horror. Just like, what would happen if a pu- fist could punch through your entire stomach? Yeah. <laughs> what would happen if the warden was actually a giant freak monster? And what would happen if you got put in a blender? And then- <laughs> Dude, the other, like, the assistant warden, he gets pretty fucked up pretty bad, too. Gets his arm chopped off. What else happens to him? I mean, his eye, he gets punched in the eye, like, super hard. Like, his entire face just collapses around his, like, oh, That's right. Eye. Oh, my God. There's the one dude that f- gets punched in the head, and he has, like, a crater in his head afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, like, stuck a random piece of, like, clay to his head. Actually, yeah. now I remember my favorite death. It's when the riot police are coming in, and Ricky O punches through the riot shield through the guy's entire fucking torso. <laughs> torso in his arm. Like... <laughs> Uh, shout out to Anthony for showing me this movie. I I will always love you for showing me this. This movie was hilariously entertaining, but I don't know if I would ever show it to anybody. I'm not going to lie. Well, it's like one of those movies you don't want to talk to your parents about, as well as like, do I show this to my friend? Will he still want to be my friend after I show him this? That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I, so watching both of them, Rikio is obviously very violent. Uh, it's more comedic, too. It's definitely more comedic. Tetsuo was way more serious in its tone and what it was telling you. But it was also really surreal and disturbing a lot of the time because you couldn't really tell what was going on. And it was blending people and machines and parts together. And it's black and white, so you can't tell where one thing ends and another thing starts. So it was it was blending the body into whatever machinery was there and was giving you a lot of social commentary, I think, about, like, people who work in the middle class and kind of the jobs they have to take and the toll it takes on their body. I agree with that because, uh, I myself coming from that, it's just, you don't realize how much it takes until years later. And uh, it's very, it's not immediate. It will never be immediate, but this movie ramps it up to be immediate in the symbolism of metal coming onto people. You have the woman at the subway station, Touching the thing, becoming a part of the curse, 
that the metal fetishist grows onto her. Right. And is chasing this dude. And this dude is like, he's a businessman. The only thing he has to defend himself is a fucking pen. He stabs know? her with it. Yeah. But uh, coming from that, like, kind of somewhat area, it's a very romantic movie as well as a very big uh, art house movie. I mean, like, the, the scenes of sex in this movie are very passionate. As what a, well as, you know like, what? That was a good sex scene. Honestly, like, for it's, real. It felt realistic, yeah. Yeah, especially, I mean, I, I gotta say, it's fucking crazy because she goes up a fucking uh, dresser. She like, she, like, climbs up the dresser while he's fucking her from behind. And you're like, <laughs> what is happening? I was like, dude, this is, this is good. All right, all right, I see. A lot of good face acting from all of the characters in this. Agreed. They were able to just get a whole range of emotions onto their face to be able to explain to you what was going on. Uh, the scene where they are having sex, it seemed like they were actually probably getting into it at that point. I have no idea if the woman is actually associated with him, and she's only referred to as the woman or the girlfriend. None of these characters are named. And she slowly becomes infected with whatever this is, but not in the I same I love that. Vein. Her hair gets all crazy. She gets, like, dark eye makeup at some point. She looks like uh, the fucking bass player of Napalm Death. Like, his hair is just fucking... <laughs> all over the place like he got electrocuted yo so what was up what's what's up with the phallic references in tetsuo what's up with the drill penis why does she have like a hydra penis at some point that's like going around and then she like fucks him in the ass like what's going on (laughs) with these scenes i feel like the thing is uh with the woman it just like it went to her and then she was they were just sharing this moment but the thing is, the guy is completely normal when this occurs. Yeah, like, he's totally normal and, like, straight up gets sodomized at some point. So you're just like, what is... Uh... And then it, it, it turns around. The guy is, like, has sex with the girl. He's trying to make food. And then he comes back, and he's the one with the fucking metal penis. Right. It, like, drills through the table. I mean, <laughs> I mean after thinking about it a little bit, it's kind of like... This, this movie has a lot of melding flesh with technology and how that is horrible in general. So it might be trying to say something along the lines of, you know, technology's like becoming so embedded in us that it will soon become a part of us. Yeah. And we can use it to like hurt other people sort of idea. And then maybe like when it passes on, it spreads that rage and that anguish. Which it does. He ends up killing his girlfriend or she kills herself. We're not really sure. To go even deeper. I mean, think about think about people's social media use. Right. Think about how how easily they can like upset somebody, and how that person becomes upset. It, it's it's a thing. It is definitely right. a thing. Like people get enraged online. There's, no, there's a reason why there's memes about it and whatnot. <laughs> and people get upset online, and then they like they take out their aggression on other people through like anonymity. Yeah, which is that that shielding of technology. Like you could describe it as like a way of it getting in the way of basic human interaction. Yeah. You could look at it that way. No, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, you got a lot of people just like, hey, you did this certain action online. Like, you blocked me. You did this certain thing. But, like, in reality, like, you could just talk to me. You just tell me what's up. Like, you don't have to be behind a certain mask. Yeah. You don't have to be integrated into your, into your technology so much. Like, there, I'm going to say, there's a song off of Frank Ocean's album Blonde where nice. he's just describes like uh this dude describes how uh he was on facebook and he was like in a relationship with a girl but the girl was like hey you didn't put me under us in a relationship on your facebook like what's going on right and he's like i don't have to put it on facebook because i see you every day and we're in a relationship very important to some people and she's like no 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 if it's not facebook official then i don't want to be in it and he's like 
does it matter because I'm seeing you face to face like every single day that right. I can. Like we're in a relationship. I love you. And she's just like, no, if it's not Facebook official, then I don't want it. And he's yeah. just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> so back to like how it's horror. I mean, that's like a fear that's being expressed through it. I would say. Yeah. To, I mean, I kind of felt the same way about what you explained earlier about it taking over and possibly hurting another person. In this case, I took it really literally as uh, his desire to have sex with her more than anything ended up being a bad thing and translated into something that would hurt her. And at some point he basically tries to assault her and she ends up having to stab him for it. But then it shows like how a relationship like that might go for some people where she forgives him pretty much. Yeah. I thought it was like very reminiscent of a very abusive relationship. Yeah, it's like an abusive relationship that plays out in like 30 seconds. I was just like, holy shit, the emotions here. Cause like she goes from wanting to kill him and like, no, don't fucking do this to, I'd love you again. Like, please come right. here. And well, like, that's the fucked up part is that it's not uncommon for people who have been sexually assaulted to not only forgive the person that did it to them, but possibly let them do it again. And so it's just, it ends up being possibly an explanation for something like that. But I don't think it was the full intent of the scene where he was explaining what would happen, but it was definitely intended to show that his desire for her at that point ended up being really dangerous. It was taking over his basic cognition. Right. He couldn't even function while the penis was like a drill and was drilling through like the table, the fucking wall. And she even at one point is like, no, like show me like what's going on. Like, I'm not going to be afraid. And then as soon as he turns to her, she fucking screams and like it gets really, He's like, not really going to be afraid, huh? Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so, but I mean, it ended up showing a condensed version of their relationship. She was really trying to make it work and it didn't really work out so well. There were a lot of moments in this movie where the body is like moving around. You hear it like shifting and you see the metal fetishes. Sounds like, like bones yeah. cracking. It's fucking scary. Like that part was actually disturbing. Cause like, yeah. I don't know how they did those scenes. I'm not going to look into it. Just crazy sound effects. They were able to pick up from different places and like added on top of it. But eventually the metal fetishist like uh, manifests himself through the dead uh, girlfriend. Yep, she, then, he like gets into the body and then just explodes it and comes out. He, I thought this dude was the devil. Like I was like, this has to be like a reference to something like that. That dude looks fucking dope. Yo, his fucking eye makeup and like the way his hair looked, it was legit. With the wires out on the fucking thing on his shoulders, he's he had like, like shoulder pads. He's like running around super fucking fast, and he's just like, this ain't nothing, man. I got yeah. you. <laughs> he had like these things on his feet that looked at like. They look like exhaust tubes or, or they were exhaust tubes. Okay. And they have rocket. Both of them yeah, have rocket. That's shoes. what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Or so feet rather you basically had like rocket feet. And then, you know, when you watch dragon ball Z and you saw them go skidding across like the ground, that's what it looked like. But stop motion style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, it was kind of choppy, but it was still, it gave you, it, you knew enough. Like you knew what was supposed to be happening in the moment. And you weren't second guessing, like, uh, are they moving? Are they flying? You were like, no. He has fucking rocket feet, and he's like going super fast. And that is the feeling you got for the film, and it worked for those scenes. And it was just, it was weird because you had to go from the stop motion back to what was happening with them. And and then at the end, they both end up like he kind of absorb, they absorb each other, and then become this one creature that's just like we're gonna just gonna turn everything to rust and like destroy all of the world and they speed off together what's I mean, what's the quote that they say sorry mitch i don't know you should definitely look it okay. up 
But it, there's definitely like a final quote for them where they're talking about how they're going to turn the world to rust, basically. Thinking more on it, going back to the abusive relationship idea about how they abuse each other and they go back and forth sort right. of idea. Um, I would say that it could also be like another metaphor for like, you know, technology intervening turns humans more vicious towards each other, creates creates this awful monster right that literally like affects everything else around it yeah i mean it 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 gives more credit to what you were talking about where technology is affecting everybody and in some ways when it does take over somebody uh like a good example is what happened with fucking zuckerberg he originally started where the the idea behind facebook was really good and people were all about it and he was cool with it but then at some point it started taking information from people. It was being sold to another person. Now it like monitors our whole fucking life. And it kind of has grown out of his hands and is made into something even worse. So in this way, the, whatever they create it is now going to try to take over whatever is going on with the earth. And they speed off that way together. And they don't really have a choice in the matter. Like they kind of get consumed by whatever metal entity is kind of possessing both of them. So the quote that I was going to say was, uh, our love could put an end to the whole fucking world. We can mutate this world into metal together. Yeah. He literally says our love, like they're like in this together at some point and they end up being like, yeah, yeah, let's fucking do it. Cause they end up fusing. I mean, they like, they're fighting for a right. good amount of the movie. I'd say about good 15 minutes. And then that's when Tetsuo, like, on his last, not Tetsuo, but, like, you know, the main character, the businessman, is on right. his last whim is just like, you know, I'm going to absorb you. Yep. And then, like, then they're, like, a machine that could drive, kind of. Turned like, into, like, a, a tank. <laughs> like, holding an Uzi as well. It's 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 interesting stuff. That was so great. He's just standing on top holding an Uzi, and you're it like, looks, what is going it's on? It's just a car draped with metal shit. Yep. And he's just, like, yeah. Standing on top. And then uh, for the... One of the best parts is the guy that's absorbed is like, I feel fucking great. You know, he's just like super hyped. after he's been absorbed. It, technology consumes lives as well. Well, as- the last thing I took from it was that this could possibly be a representation of different classes in the system that exists in Japan and or any other place. In this case, it was the businessman, middle class person, as well as the other guy who possibly was a vagrant who was just homeless and not really doing much with his life and how they're often put against each other. In most cases, you can see it playing out now in the United States where everyone who is under the poverty line or is not rich is being put against each other. And then to me at the end of this film, they came together and are now going to like cause havoc and anarchy. So it's like, that was kind of what I got from it was the, like the combining of different classes to kind of rebel against whatever was going on. In this case, it was, the system that they were living in like they weren't happy being in the spots that they were yeah i mean like with the symbolic energy of like the metal it's just like one like especially with welding like it comes together through heat so like when you have these aggressive things happening i mean obviously it's heat it comes together they weld into a, a similar thing and they become one it's the same thing with classism it's like there is a common uh person dragging down both the the middle and lower classes and they often fight each other until they 
it's too late most well, of the time. Well, it's not that they want to fight each other. In most cases... They don't realize that they, they are. Yeah, exactly. Or they're told to, like, the problem is not us, the rich people. It's it's the other person who's stealing your job or, like, doing something else, and they redirect or this it. immigrant. Blah, yeah, blah, exactly. Blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. you'll see it play X out. X amount of things here. Yeah, and because it's always somebody else. politicians and fucking media will tell you any X amount of things is your problem, and that's what you should be caring about. So they, like, basically conform together and are taking on the establishment by the end of the movie, I guess you, yeah. could, you could say. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Also, like, what was going on in the early 90s in politics? I mean, think about the L.A. riots when uh, right. shit was going down. They were like, hey, there's an abuse of power here. Uh, we should really just start fucking shit up. <laughs> you know what was crazy? My aunt had just joined the National Guard when the L.A. riots started, and her well, first fucking outing, her first real mission was to go to the L.A. riots. That's Can you imagine having that as your first fucking thing to do on the National Guard? You think you're just going to chill most of the time? And then they're like, oh, you're all active. You're all going to Los Angeles. The fucking city is on fire. Speaking of which, <laughs> if you haven't, check out or at least search up the term roof Koreans. Because yep. it's fucking dope. Mm-hmm. These guys are legit. <laughs> yeah. You ever see that video about the dude who's just like, so I get called into work and my friends like, or my boss is just like, hey, don't come into work today. I need you to go to the gun store and buy like three fucking guns and like a bunch of ammo. They literally sat on top of their fucking store with boxes of ammo and their rifles, either shooting or making sure people were not going to loot their store. And they did, in fact, protect their store. <laughs> and it's an awesome story. There's really good documentaries about the L.A. riots and what people were but doing. But see, that's that's another thing, though. That's a class warfare thing. Yeah. You got fucking regular people, people who own businesses and lower class people fighting each other. Yeah. When in reality, they were just mad about the cops that killed Rodney King. Yep. And they didn't take on the establishment like they should have. They were fighting each other. So, I mean, like, the L.A. riots is just a big fuck you to everyone who is, like, nowadays because we're just like why were they fighting each other when they could have well yeah i mean it's hard to look it's hard to know what you're supposed to do right in that moment um in the same way that some people like will go through history books and ask why didn't these people do anything different at the time and it's most likely because things were like illegal at some point and just like that is what some basis is for people where they don't want to do things because it's illegal or because some law says so. But there's plenty of times when the law wasn't always right. And in like it can easily be seen in the United States history. Goddamn paladins or city guards or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> well, well, yeah, it's people who want to be like the lawful good people, but it's not going to work out for them because like the at laws are you not know, good. <laughs> it was fucking illegal at some point for like black people to go into a restaurant. Like it was illegal to fucking protect people who were Jewish during the Nazi occupation of fucking all of the country. So like there's a lot of weird shit. Speaking of which, we should talk about the uh the prison establishment right uh, that's yeah. also featured in ricky well, it's pretty much like the prison industrial complex is really what it is is it just me or did all the cops just look like blue nazis i mean yeah it just looked like they just adopted the fashy gear yeah and then just painted it blue yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i think the best part was, was when they're just like hey can you get this guy to kill this guy right yeah i got you man gives him a cigarette <laughs> it gives him a cigarette yeah it's just these cops are made to be dumb, and a lot of them die in the movie. Which is uh, non but, inconsequential to the film. Which, which is really funny, because at, at one point, I mean, you got entire... Like, by the end of the movie, everyone's, like, super hyped that Ricky is just 
demolishing he is the man face. they were like yes you are the reason why we're rebelling like and you're the man then they're like riot police are coming out they're like hey let's fucking fuck these people up and that's when ricky o just comes through to the wall punches it and is like you're all free you're now. all free now and lets them all <laughs> well actually they don't even run out they like yeah. it's just him like walking out it's just him I would have ran the fuck out of there. I don't know why they were just chilling there. There, there was also a good amount of uh, talking about drugs in this movie because there's a good amount of the thing where the police are running the a, poppy fields, the poppy fields in a heroin plant, opium that uh, sells through the fucking. They make it at the fucking prison, which I mean, in all honesty, the the private industrial uh, prison complex where they work off the labor of of. You know, felons. Right. Uh, China's had problems with opium in the past too, so it makes a lot of sense that like a hero for a movie would be someone who's like very anti that. Yeah. He's the lawful good character. Oh, totally. I yeah. Mean, the opium problem in China has been prevalent for fucking centuries. Ever. ever. I mean, I'm even thinking back about the ports in fucking like 1800s. Yeah. Yep. Like and just spread out from there. Just spreading out. But the thing is with Ricky O, it's his girlfriend died. Because of a fucking Okay, but drug this dealer. was, I gotta say, this was stupid. Like, she fucking ran off a building. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, she did. It was I so mean, whack. I like, was super you... hyped because she got away. And I'm like, wow, she's right. not gonna be like a standard fucking female that just like she goes into She literally ran off the building, no hesitation. Just ran off the building. But Ricky O gets his fucking And I don't revenge. fucking understand. Like, it was the dumbest scene. That's the, you know what? That was my only problem. I'm like, why did she just run off a building? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And it's hilarious. Mo- it's also a hilarious moment because it's obviously a rag doll that gets thrown off the top oh, of the yeah, building and, and like bounces off the floor. There's so many good practical effects in these movies. Uh, you got the insertion of the steel rod into the leg and then the maggots coming out right. from Tetsuo. You have the weird fucking uh, superintendent boss that turns into like this giant caricature of a fucking gargantuan. Yo, he turned into like an ogre. The, yeah, the warden like turned into like, like a mythical Japanese like style tale. He was a fucking ogre. His hair like balds, and he's like yeah. huge. I mean, Ricky O is doing his punches for the guts that usually guts people. It's not hitting. Yeah, it's not doing it. He really has to fucking try to 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 put any damage on this guy. One of my favorite effects in Ricky O is when I told Mitch this is when the guy is getting uh, Ricky is getting tortured by the steel iron that they're pushing into his body constantly. And then the guy's like, no, 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 I want to do this. Shoves like a handful of fucking razor blades into his mouth, tapes it and just starts bitch slapping him back and forth until they go through his cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. And then he spits him out at the warden. Yeah. It's like stuck in his face. <laughs> it was so good. It was actually a really good cut there too. Yeah. That did. I couldn't tell that whether they put something in his mouth or not. Like it, that looked very well put together. Expert composition work right there. Yeah. It was fucking crazy. I can't, I can't imagine how many hours of work were put into Tetsuo for the stop motion for every scene that they had to set up, for all the things they had to yeah. take on to set. 18 months 18 of months hours. 18 months is a long fucking time, For dude. that short of a film, too. Like, that's so much work. I mean, when you think of, like, The Lighthouse, that was, like, three to six months, I think. Or maybe even less than that. Like, uh, was... I don't I don't remember how much time they used for that. They but didn't it was use like, a lot. No. That's for sure. And the thing is, you want to know what's fucking crazy about The Lighthouse? Is that they film the, uh, the part where Defoe gets into the grave as a dog first. Oh my That's god! That's the first fucking scene they they did. Way to break your fucking actors. <laughs> You're getting buried alive today. <laughs> it's like, all right, might as well get it out of the fucking way. You don't want to do that after a 30 day shoot. 
you don't want to do that to be the last that's scene. fair yeah i start with the hardest shit first but that, that 18 months for a movie is pretty fucking lengthy it was in, he in probably only had a crew that. of like five people yeah like five or six people and just did everything for it editing with the music is phenomenal though yeah it's it's really well done which really leads me right to the end of what do you guys like rate these movies would you recommend them to other people as an art film uh tetsuo is just a movie that you see on your own kind of just like something that's like very odd and out there but you you're kind of drawn to it because of every all the elements and uh compositions that it has you want to see more but at the same time you want to shut it off that's accurate yeah i felt the same way about it and ricky o is just a movie you want to see with your fucking friends and turn your brain off and just have fun with. Right. And just laugh at the bad dub, laugh at how fucking crazy the gore is, and just enjoy it. We've been doing this. We keep finding films that complement each other well, but one is much more serious than the other. We've done this a few times, and I didn't realize it until after we were done. <laughs> we always, we typically always do double features as well, hence the Grindhouse name. Right, yeah, exactly. And we kind of bring it yeah, down you to can, some other people's These levels. are intended to be watched together, so you should definitely go and watch one after another. When I was putting this on the calendar, I just wanted two movies from different countries that have really good body horror effects. Ironically, you picked two films released the same year. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> and literally only a country apart. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize it, but yeah. you know what? I mean, Ricky O, not a horror movie, but still a lot of fun. And it's, it can technically be a horror movie if you look at it for the symbolism and the right gore effects for sure. Right. It is one of the goriest movies I've ever seen. Oh, completely. I'd What'd recommend think, both of these movies, um, at least for a single watch, just to see them, just to be like, I witnessed those sort of deal. Um, as far as like ratings would go, I think I'd give Ricky O like a solid seven out of 10 because, and it survives on that purely on the, like the spectacle itself. Whereas I would give a nine out of 10 to Tetsuo just shy of a 10. I feel, but it was definitely a very cool art film that has a lot of things to explore. And it does some things very interesting, interestingly with a very like bare bones, like medium. I felt the same way. I appreciate Tetsuo simply because it's an indie film that was done on a very low budget and they use stop motion to create special effects, which is very clever for the film that they created. And also I appreciate the German expressionism that's included in most films. That's why I love the lighthouse so much because of the lighting. It's like perfect black and white lighting, which is amazing. Should have won cinematography. It's it really should have. Who did did it? Who did it lose to for that category? Do we know? I'll look up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 1912. Oh, 1917. 1917. Excuse me. Which makes sense because it was a one shot movie, but still. Birdman did it already. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, was, I was gonna say that too. Yeah. I was like, Birdman already did that <laughs> That's shit. What I'm saying. Like, but you know, I'm tired of war movies. I think is what it is. I don't need to see another war movie about what's going on in World War II or World War One. Like we've yeah. seen it enough. Yep. Yeah, I've seen all of them. I don't need to see Same Dunkirk fucking, over and over oh again. God. Same with uh, gangster movies. I don't really need to see a fucking Irishman. Nope. I don't yeah. need to waste three yeah, hours. Of fuck my the life. Irishman. <laughs> We're gonna Are we keep, gonna keep doing that? that all the time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I appreciate it because it is a really well done short film on a low budget. He put so much work into it and it turned out to be something that's crazy. You have to watch it multiple times to see all of the details on it because there's so much packed into it. 
And then Rikio is a lot of fun to watch with friends. Definitely go watch it drunk, high. I feel like I always say this with those kinds of films, but it's like, it would be really funny to watch. Would I recommend Rikio to somebody else? Probably not. But Tetsuo for sure, because it's something that I feel like is important if you're going to learn about certain types of film, especially indie films. This is going to be like up there on the list. It, it shot up on my list of really good films to watch because of all the techniques that they used in the filming. Like when you see Tetsuo with Iron Man the first time, you're very confused. You're very yeah. like distraught, but it's only an hour and seven minutes. So you're it's like whatever. crazy surreal. But when you revisit it, that's when you feel a little bit more of like, okay, I kind of see where this guy was going. Right. Um, and you can tell yeah. like what the story is about. It's not like it doesn't have a linear storyline. You actually can tell what's going on. Do you, do you have a rating for these? For for Tetsuo, I would probably give it like an 8 or a 9 out of 10. The only reason why I would give it a lower rating, I wanted more of it. But that's just selfish. I just wanted a longer film. We got sequels. Probably not yeah. as good, though. Uh, yeah, I've not seen the sequel. As so. it tends to happen with yeah. horror movies. Maybe I'll update it after watching the new ones. For Ricky O, I would give it like a 5. Sorry. But it's just because Ooh. it's just because I, I could not sit still watching it. I was just kind of like, all right, like what's going to happen next? Because they would drag it out. But it's enjoyable, and I would definitely watch it over again just for the fun of watching something like that. I say Tetsuo for me, an 8 to 9. And then Ricky O a solid seven. Watch <laughs> it high and drunk. Yeah, that works out, honestly. Did you guys have any final thoughts about either one? No. <laughs> uh, if you can, uh, try to find the soundtrack for Tetsuo on vinyl if you can. Also, if you are interested, go to your local DVD store. Like, I'd say book off for us in San Diego. Yep, in San Diego. Uh, for all your fucking local, like, used DVD sales. Because it's easy to find good horror movies and shit like that. But yeah, I, I really enjoy these movies. I'm glad you guys. Right. Too. So before I let everybody go, I just want to remind everyone we're super easy to find in all of the streaming services. We're on Spotify. We're on uh, the Apple podcast as well as Google podcasts. Also iHeartRadio and SoundCloud. And we are also on Stitcher and Castbox. So you can find us on pretty much any place that we have or that anyone has podcasts we will be able to be found because we've started to spread across the internet which is really cool we have all of our social medias we have our facebook our instagram our twitter all under bdtgh podcast or underscore podcast our website is now an official.com so you can go and find it at bdtghpodcast.com and you'll be able to listen to the episodes there and like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode we're going to be selling shirts very soon we're getting all the designs finalized and then we're going to put a put it up for sale for about a week and a half to two weeks all the shirts will then be sold i'm sorry all the shirts will then be sent out at the end of the sale so expect them to be ordered then sent out possibly in another week or two after that um but that's pretty much it thank you so much for listening no sappy endings. We really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mitch. I'm Mer. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you. <laughs>